Well, hello and welcome to another Sensibility Podcast. Today, I am very proud to introduce my friend Dawn Thomas. Now, Dawn is part of our AFA community, which I'm very involved in, and she was the winner of Female Excellence in Advice two years ago now. She's longest reigning because of COVID, which is fantastic. And look, I've been wanting to chat with Dawn for some time because I really love seeing her, you know, lovely personality and brightness on on social media. And I just thought she really has a way of attracting people to her and and really breaking down those barriers on the whole topic of financial advice and money. And that's sort of one of my intentions with sensibility and her intention with your podcast, which is your money story. I had to double check that I've got that right. (laughs) Um, And you also obviously like myself, a financial planner, your business is called Wealthwise. Yes. Um, So Dawn, first of all, I want us to get an understanding of how you got into finance and becoming a financial advisor. Thank you very much for having me on, Amy. I'm very honoured to be here. Mm -hmm. Um, How I got into financial advice was a, a little a bit of an accident uh, because I'm a media studies graduate um, from Murdoch University all those years ago. Uh, I found out upon graduation that it was not as easy to, you know, just get placed in a graduate program or an internship as soon as you graduate. Um, And I had the added complexity of the fact that I was waiting for my permanent residency as well, being from Singapore. Um, And that's how I found myself uh, in the banking space. Uh, So within six months of entering the bank, there was a financial planning cadetship. Um, or a graduate program and I was hooked once I was on it I think I really had this deep sense of connection of what we could do to Mm. really change outcomes for people so it really matched up that communication piece that I was passionate about for my media studies degree fit in quite well with the communication piece that was needed in financial advice that's how I started and I'm still here it's fantastic there's there is quite a misconception about what we do and I think people go financial advisors and sort of categorise us up there with the accountants and the money nerds and the numbers and just number crunches <laughs> and we're not approachable at all. And one thing you said was you were hooked with and, and the fact that you could actually use all those skills at uni to be an advisor. Can you explain to me what really attracted you to advice? What actually hooked you in there? I think early on I recognised it as a profession. I knew that you could specialize in it and I knew that you could really hone your craft. Um, I was very unaware of the sales culture that had really existed and dominated before that. So when I entered it, I didn't, that was not what I was attracted to. It was the fact that you could really specialize in a topic and you almost like, you know, the way that you transform that information, you're transforming into something that's actually palatable, something that's understandable. So um, I feel like I'm a, a good guinea pig, you know, especially being from Singapore and not understanding anything about the retirement system. I realized that I was not that far behind a normal Australian. <laughs> normal Australians didn't know as well a lot about the retirement system as well. So as I was learning and I was taking in that information, for me, I was like, you know, let's let's share this. Um, uh, so maybe it became a sharing session. Maybe it became a bit of uh, the fact that you've got someone in front of you um, and you don't want them to feel that they're excluded from the conversation, you know. So, you know, it, it, like kind of trying to tell them it's it's not as complex as you think. You know, mm-hmm. you can actually take control of certain things and I'm here as your guide to help you move forward, you know, so. 
Absolutely. And that's what one of the things we do is actually guide and mm. give that information, educate really. Yes. Um, again, breaking down the the barriers of misconception of what we do is really we forge that amazing relationship with our clients and then break it down so they understand. And that's one of your many talents is actually <laughs> helping people understand simply. And, you know, we talked about that on the phone the other days, you know, sometimes that what a complex document you know, we have to do for compliance being the statement of mm. advice, that's not the be all and end all. The bits and bobs is actually your communication and how you can actually help someone really understand it. Um, can you give me some examples perhaps of how you've actually changed someone's perception of the advice process through the way you've actually delivered advice? Yeah, so I, it was interesting. I, I um, met a couple who... Uh, both are lawyers um, and and he came to see me first and in in the process of of this initial stage of talking to advisors which some some people do they speak to a number of um, advisors and credit on his part he was actually interviewing me to see whether I would be a good fit for his wife you know so um, when he was highly an analytical you know could read a spreadsheet um, into finer details but the issue he had is that he could never get his wife even to come for an appointment like that so he was trying to find someone that when he finally convinced her to, to come in would be able to communicate to that because he could see that I was drawing stuff out on my mind map we have uh, what we call a discovery sheet at Wealthwise um, which we put on a whiteboard or we draw on paper or you know whichever way you want to do it but it doesn't change the fact that we're really just going okay give me the big picture and then look at the different areas that we can drill down to. Um, so he came back to me and said, okay, I think you're going to be a good fit. So I'm going to bring in my wife. Um, and that's when we had the whiteboard session. He just sat back. He just wanted me to have that meeting with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a safe space for her. Like she's highly intelligent, right? Highly intelligent, top of her game. But there's just something about the complexity of our retirement system that switches people off to engaging with it. So they don't even want to start at the very start. At the end of the meeting, she just said, I feel like an adult now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've, you know, I've put in my yeah. time. Um, I've, I've, I've put in my time and I, I get it, you know. I, I get the main parts of what I'm supposed to get, you know. So for me, that was like, wow, you know, I, it was very, very fulfilling for me. Um, and, and also, like I said, credit to the initial client that came in. You know, he could have just found an advisor that really suited him um, and and how he was doing but he was very much like no I, I want my wife to be involved you know it's very much like how we have informed consent where we need both parties to say yes and we need to be able to educate both of them uh, but you had someone here that went no I need my wife on board so let me find an advisor that can speak to both of us yeah and I think that's where the communication piece comes in so I think very naturally with financial advice there's a lot of specific detail there's a lot of graphs there's a lot of projections. So for those people who are drawn to it, like we know, we make jokes about engineers and teachers love all these, these things. Um, you know, so maybe we could try hard, a little harder for the other people that like to learn differently. Absolutely. Well, one thing is sort of what resonated with me just then is that, you know, she said, I feel like an adult, you know. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are intimidated when we don't know something. So mm-hmm. we will shy away from it. So, and there are many, many people that sort of are out there with their heads in the sand when it comes to their finances because it's overcomplicated, especially yes. our retirement system. 
Um, our taxation system is also yes. very complicated and there's so many rules and regulations that it's so too hard. Mm. I don't want to know about it. Yet when you actually consider the two key assets that are going to really set us up, the, you know, the tax-free asset of the home we live in and yes. the other vehicle, which while we're at accumulation phases, um, with a very small amount of tax, but becomes tax-free is our super. Yes. And that's where we've really got to give a lot of attention and, and, and love to, but a lot of people don't even see it as for what it is. So, you know, I think when you have an advisor like yourself, and hopefully people think the same as me, <laughs> like me, where it's let's, let's sort of take away all the tech stuff yeah. and bring it down to the stuff that's really important. First of all, what their goals are and, yes. and take away the whole intimidating concept of, um, the, the graphs as you put it and yeah. everything else because once once I actually get to know you me or yeah. the other amazing advisors that are out there that we're just actually wanting to see them exceed and grow then that you know makes it so much easier for people to actually want to seek advice so that's why I you know recognized in you why I wanted to get you on the show and oh. why I wanted to have this conversation <laughs> because you sort of just tell it how it is and simplify it you know your Instagram page, Advice with Heart? Yes, that's right. <laughs> so you have managed to even bring the concept of being at home and cooking for your family and making that, bringing your values into the whole process. Yes. I mean, I, I believe that, you know, you when you're connecting with an advisor, it's, it's assumed that they have the technical knowledge. I mean, look, we've got phase requirements now as well. So um, the assumption, I think we all have the technical knowledge. So it's really coming down to, um, is this going to be a right fit person to person? Um, so for me, I would struggle if someone didn't want to open up, you know, if they wanted to want me to just, I don't know, focus on on things that are not their goals, not who they are. I don't think I could do my job effectively as a financial advisor. But for someone to connect to you as well, I'm very aware that I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Like we all have people that we will pull towards us and, and other people, yeah, will we'll, we'll have that. So it's the great thing that, I mean, that's an argument for more diversity in our profession is that you're going to have a lot more different kinds of advisors to serve the different kinds of people that are in our population. Um, so, you know, that that sort of, of feeling of going, um, I'm going to show you who I am. I'm willing to do that. Um, so that if you do find me and, and maybe we are in the age of social media where people will look at things. I mean, there's nothing pretentious about it. I just kind of go, is there, if it's something that offends you, if the fact that a financial advisor posts um, pictures of food offends you or you think it's unprofessional, probably you're not the person that I should be working with. If you 100%. go, you know, that is something that, oh, that is, yeah, I like that as well. Um, that's great because, I mean, we have qualifications. I don't need to shove it in anybody's face. Um, we can still have human conversations and and just be on an even playing field with our clients. I mean, that's the way I feel. I, I feel strongly about equality in every sense, whether it's in my meeting room, you know, whether it's with my kids, whether we're talking about different groups of people in society, that, that drives me as well as a financial advisor. So that's so well put because one of the questions, I guess, and I've written an article on it um, on how to find the right advisor for you. You've sort of really hit the nail on the head. You know, if you resonate with that person, you're going to understand them better, mm -hmm. understand the message so you'll be able to understand the advice. And it's really important if someone's sitting in front of you and they'll suit it up and you're not that kind of person and you're yes. um, already intimidated by all the graphs and the bits 
and have a just sort of sort of almost like the deer in the headlights going, I have no idea what they're talking about, yeah. then that's not the right place for you to be. Mm. And if you're sort of going through Instagram and you find someone who's an advisor and they're cooking and they're <laughs> talking about their family and you've got a family and, yeah. you know, you're really creative and you're, you know, just quite open and you think, I think I'll actually get that message from that person. Mm. And that is actually the great opportunity. This is where I think social media is has its place yes. in a profession like ours. You know, and so same with the podcast and mm-hmm. um, and our website. So people do go and seek personalities that are similar to them. So I think that is a really important thing for people to consider when seeking advice. Apart from, yeah, then maybe doing some due diligence, making sure that they're qualified and whatnot, that's also very important that they're mm-hmm. uh, licensed advisors, they're under an AFSL. Yes. But the rest of it is absolutely right. People are all about connecting and that's what I really want people the message I want to Mm. to share and have you on board to share that as well I think I mean it's just so important that we we blow this myth out of the water that financial advisors are one thing like you already started the podcast going or are you kind of like closely aligned to what accountants do and things like that it's like no we are very much on the people side you know so the number of times I've been asked to be like treasurers on a board or committee I'm like no don't put me on there that's not where my skill set is I'm yeah. don't don't lock me behind uh just looking at, at at numbers and projections because I mean that is part of our job but that's not the part of our job you know the the, the part of our job is unlocking who this person is in front of us and making them feel safe enough to really unload any of the concerns and fears or the things that have been holding them back so that we can actually move forward together that is so true. I think that's why a lot of advisors now also use the term coach because we are mm. we are guiding them, we are coaching them, we're sort of breaking some of the barriers and the boundaries that they're that's holding them back through the information. Mm-hmm. But to to give them that information, we've got to understand them best. Yeah. You know, what can you walk us through some of your fact finding process? Yeah, so my, my very first meeting really starts off what we we call at Wealthwise the discovery process or um, it's basically looking at your short-term, medium-term, and then long-term position. And um, I, I'm still quite old school in a way that I use a whiteboard. And I know there are practices out there that will do it on their smart screen and, and have images, which I think will work well as well. But I just use a whiteboard. My first meeting is really very visual. Um, if we can just capture with a client sort of what their goals are and what their position is, uh, that's my very first meeting. For those who want to bring more information in, I give them that option because there will be clients who feel that um, if they're not prepared for the meeting, they feel nervous about it. I mean, Mm. it's not a lot of them, but you've got to be able to give that option so that that very busy, if if a new person's coming, I'll I'll send them a little attachment to give them an expectation of what the meeting is. Um, I'll tell them the kind of information that I need. Um, But I do put in that if you can't get all this information, it's okay because we can always get that later. It's more about can I identify uh, initially whether I can help, yeah, you know, or whether we both can even work with each other. Um, so that is the very first step: is the discovery process. You know, it just takes a lot of pressure off. Um, you know, nobody needs to make decisions about anything. It's just really getting to know each other and, and building that sense of, um, you know, maybe to an extent as well. Can we work together? So yeah. if you determine that there's value that I can bring, can we work together as well? 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And then from that point, um, you can collect all the other information. That's that's pretty easy to do. But getting the right goals and objectives and removing the, the you know, the inner barriers, that's the difficult thing to do. Because if you don't find out that inner barrier, it's going to come up later in your process and then your advice is not going to be relevant. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I think we've. I think every advisor's run through that one before. Correct. So frustrating. Yeah. Yes. You get to a point and you go, "Why isn't this plan working for them? What's yes. going on?" Yes. And they're not either aligned with the goals or their values. They've come equipped with someone else's ideas. Yes. You know, often that's usually it, or that a husband and wife just not on the same page yet. Yes. And our job is to actually really weed that information out. Yes, it's quite a skill. It's it also, I think even with the age of informed consent, you know, some of the clients, because I have taken over some clients as well, and and some of them have been used to coming in on their own without their partner. And I've got to explain to them that, you know, your partner's not just there to sign paperwork. Like I say, it's, it's not going to cut it anymore. Like they need to come in. Um, and if if they need to have a separate meeting with me on their own, because we approach differently, we're going to do that, you know, mm-hmm. but... I can't have this silent partner that just signs off on paperwork. Like I need to know because it's if it's joint money. Um, 100%. Yeah. So I think there was one case where I had to tell a client, sorry, I need to take your wife off the ongoing service if she's not going to participate. Um, because I can't say as an advisor, I'm providing advice for her. She hasn't given me anything. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's so true. Yeah, I say, how can I construct something on a conversation I've never had? I've had a conversation with you, but I can't say it reflects her needs. So um, we've got even more of an emphasis with our code of ethics to ensure that if we are dealing with a couple I mean, it's okay to see one part of the couple first, you know, but then eventually you're going to need to have both of them in to make sure, like you said, they're on the same page. Yeah, 100%. Oh, the plan just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, depending on obviously how complex the plan is, but yes. it's important. I, I'm with you on that. Um, so let's just go back because we've used a tech, uh, you know, oh. term there with informed consent. Yes. People would go, what does that mean and why are you bringing this into the picture here? Um, do you want to give some background or would you prefer me to talk about it? I'm happy for you to. <laughs> so basically we've had lots of changes and we've had a Royal Commission for those who aren't very privy to what the industry's gone through. And we now have Code of Ethics and we have the CEO and we sit an exam. In the past, advice some businesses have sort of been, they've just been set in an old school way and it was more sales focused and more KPI driven. Um <clears throat> Whereas now we're really bringing, bringing it to be very holistic. So to ensure that our codes of ethics are all met and measured, we do need to make sure that our clients um, are absolutely involved in mm. all areas and aspects of the advice process. So when we say the word informed consent, it, it really does mean that they have, one, a really clear understanding. And that's sort of when we, why I thought, you know, we've discussed in detail that fact-find process we have to fully understand the client's needs, goals, and objectives. But once we've created the plan, we've got to ensure that they understand what that plan entails, what products are going to be involved, costs and whatnot. So when you're getting someone to sign something, when before they sign, we really need to be satisfied that they have a full understanding of what they're going forward with. Yes. I think that's probably the best way. And, and, then, and just to extend on that as well, with informed consent, they basically have the onus put on the advisor to assess financial literacy of the client in front of you as well. So if you feel that um, there needs to be more building of 
the literacy level, you've got to do it. So you can't just say client understands. You've got, almost got to kind of prove how you've done that. Or, you know, like they say, you've got to relate back, you know, what, what have they told you they understand? How did you know that they actually understood why they're moving forward? So it's almost, you know, like, yeah, you're, you're trying to account for the fact of how you communicate as well or how you've made an assessment of where someone's at. And, and then that sort of leads to being able to determine if they can give informed consent. <laughs> so it's, it's like, so true. It's, it's quite like complex. a formula. <laughs> it yeah. is a formula. I, I've changed the way I've done things um, with going forward. I do my meetings on Zoom and they do get recorded. Mm. Um, so that the client, you, can, you know, if I'm being audited, the auditor can actually see the interaction between me and my client as well. Mm. Um, Such a good I, idea. Yeah, that's just one of the things that I'm doing because I think it is very difficult. How do you prove that that client has a full understanding? So have you ever been in a situation where you've kind of gone through the process and gone, mm, I don't think they're getting it? Yeah, I, I actually had a, uh, has happened where, you know, especially if you're dealing with a lot of retirees and some are getting older. Um, and I was wondering about whether our file notes can actually hold up in court because I write file notes but if a client disputes what was said during that meeting and it's only a client and advisor, um, you know, I, I wonder whether what I've written will be relevant. So even though I've put my recollection of what's happened and that's what advisors have to do and, and we do it in a, um, as quickly as we can after the meeting. Um, but I, I'm not sure if that's really going to um, be able to prove that there is an informed consent, you know, like how mm -hmm. you've recorded it, then someone can look at it maybe quite neutrally and go, okay, what was actually said? Um, because I have noticed that some clients, when they, they're getting older, their memory is also being impacted, but it's also a sensitive topic mm. because that might not be a conversation that's happened between husband and wife. Um, you know, if someone's telling you and recollecting something that's quite different or forgotten they've even seen you, that for me is a bit concerning when you're dealing with aging clients. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't have a solution for it right now, but the Zoom idea is good. Um, but we do see some of them in, in person because they're older as well. Yeah. yeah. I also, after every meeting, I email them my notes. Mm. Yes. So I actually go, this is this is a file note yeah. from our meeting. So it's like a meeting minutes. Yeah. So that's another way I record because I'm terrible at, if I don't communicate with the client, I'll, I'll get distracted and go, oh, this child needs something or yeah. I'm getting a glass of water and then an email comes in and hang on a minute, it's all gone. So as soon mm. as that meeting's done, I send them an email saying thank you for your time and this is the, this is the stuff that we've talked about. If there's anything that I've missed or anything you don't understand, come back to me. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Then I I've mean, covered myself. Yes, <laughs> I mean, it's, if you've got listeners who are non-advisors, I mean, they, they might not understand, I guess, how much pressure we are under from a compliance point of view. We don't try and make it our client's problem. No, But at it all. really is um, the contingency of, oh, have, have we done this in case that happens? Uh, and that's what's running in the background past the meeting. So we try yes. not to we try not to make it, it a, a terrible experience for the client with our not compliance issues. But there is a lot happening in the background to just ensure that that we are adhering to what mm. is being asked of us. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes what's being asked of us is also a bit unclear <laughs> for compliance point. So we might go overkill. We might just do more than what's required. So. Yeah, we're we're dealing with more than just one governing body at the moment. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's 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 the you know long and short of it. And I, I think having this conversation 
it's not a bad thing because the, it's really looking under the hood of what yeah. we do as a, as advisors. You know, this part of it is is as important as us um, going through. You know, looking over at my other screen here, going yeah. through forecasts and calculating. You know, whether they're yeah. their super funds performing as best they should to ensure that their long term objectives are being met. All of that is the tech stuff that's so mm. important. But we that to me is easy to do once we unlock what the goals are you know what the important stuff is the real nitty-gritty things you just spoke about earlier yeah that's that's where the skill lies and then delivering that on the other end yes is also the other skill you know yes making sure they really get it because that's where the success lies when someone's involved and you know excited to actually get stuck in and really take control of their their financial future yeah, I mean, there, there was a circumstance where I, uh, one of my new clients freaked out <laughs> because she got the statement of advice. And what usually I, I'm the one that emails it through and I kind of write there, um, you know, if you can go through it, go through it because some people like getting it beforehand, but you don't have to. You know, I kind of write the, you you kind of take it the way you want to. Um, and, and my amazing um, assistant, she, she sent it through because she was like, no, I'll send it through. But of course, it was my... I didn't actually kind of explain to her the kind of content I usually put in the email. So then the client was like, oh, I don't think I'm ready for this meeting tomorrow. No, no, I think, I think I'm going to need to start freaking out. So I just said to her, no, what, nobody is meant to understand that document. I said probably 5% of people do understand that, um, but nobody's meant to understand a statement of advice from start to finish. As much as what ASIC um, aspire us you know it's very confusing because they say it should be simple to understand but yet there's all a lot of compliance requirements mm-hmm. um so in that process as well i think it's just letting the clients know that we, we we are going to have to rely on a document that has a lot of detail in there but it doesn't take back from the fact that it's connected to your goals and your outcomes um, and when we had the meeting the next day she you know she got it and she's like oh it's like my, she said my dad would feel so proud. He'll be so surprised at what I'm doing at the moment because her dad had um, already passed on. Oh. She said she was never known as somebody who was good with her money. But, you know, it's just, I think that that shows what financial advisors do. We, we, we kind of take a lot of content and then we kind of go, okay, what's, what's the most important thing you need to know? And go through those points and then, you know, really drill down on those things. Um, and and just also knowing not to overload them with too much information um, because there is, there is a lot of information there. So can we focus on what's really important? Can we understand that you're giving us consent because you understand what's there as well? Do you understand the alternative strategies that we discounted? Because we didn't just come up with this from what you've told us we've come to this conclusion and we've excluded a lot of other things as well. So, yeah, I think that was an important, um, yeah. that's the other part of it that we finally come up with our stuff and we, we deliver it to our clients. Um, are they going to get the, um, you know, the brilliance that, that's behind the madness? <laughs> that's so well put. Are they going to get the brilliance that's behind the madness? Because, <laughs> There is some there is some magic in what we do. I believe yeah. at the end of the day, we can we've got the ability to sort of put it out there and go, this is your future. Yeah, if you just follow the steps, you know, get it, and then we can make it happen. Mm-hmm. And 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 then you know, because sometimes people don't realise that they actually could you know, pay off their mortgage or um, 
retire as more comfortably. They sort of freak out at the concept, you know, especially the younger clients that are at that accumulation phase to think, oh, my God, I need a million dollars at retirement, but not really put it in perspective of the time frame, how compounding yeah. interest works, yes. how their investments work, how, you know, contributions can can be you've got different options to contribute to make that happen along the way that it's not just what you're putting in now it's what you do later and how we can strategize and all of a sudden it just opens up the mind and Mm -hmm. everything is achievable all of a sudden and that's the magic that's where I go there's the magic it can be done it's yes possible surprise (laughs) yeah um, and and also uh, productivity commission did an inquiry into superannuation in 2018 um, and, and our system is actually designed around passive participation. <laughs> That's like, you know, so the government's trying, honestly, the government's trying their hardest with doing all these things to make it as easy as possible for someone who doesn't actually want to participate, you know, yes. and part of it, part of it is that if just people take a few steps forward on their own and increase their level of participation, our overall system is actually going to work better for everyone involved. Because 100%. you know, yeah, it's now been set up as a as a default um, position by far, and and superannuation was supposed to give everyone a safe um, retirement um, because it's on a level that is additional to age pension and and, and things like that. Uh, but what's happened is that there's a there are unequal outcomes to superannuation. You know, the people who use superannuation best. Uh, are considered the ones who are affluent. <laughs> Probably um, they don't need as much help in retirement, uh, you know, because they're preserving their funds. They're making the most of their money work. That's why mm-hmm. you, they're using that strategy. They've recognized that you are, why would you house your money for retirement in a place that's going to be paying more tax, you know, if it's 100%. money for retirement. Yeah. yeah. But then you've got the passive participants who are unaware of it. You know, the people that stand to gain the most of their money working harder for them, um, don't even know they haven't even started that conversation yet. I suppose if you don't know what you're missing out, you probably just don't know. Um, and I think that's what financial advisors do is um, we're just trying to open that conversation because I think it's yeah. really hard once you take that first step forward. It's it's hard to just pretend that you don't know anymore. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. I know. And look, um, as I said earlier, there's you know it's a fantastic tax effective vehicle. Mm to really en- ensure that you're going to be financially comfortable later yeah. on in life. But I think we've got to, you know, and I know that you've kind of very passionate, so you probably add ensure that people are in, in, engaged and see it as a positive and even fun thing. That's what I'm trying to do as well is make it, it's actually really cool. It's fun. I love watching money grow. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, investing is exciting for me. It's about how do we get more people to be excited about their super when people go, I don't even know how much I've got. Yeah. And it's like, what? That could be one of the biggest assets you'll ever own. Yeah. It I, can I mean, make is, your life so different. No, as, exactly. I mean, it's supposed to be. I mean, I, I came across this article uh, from Super Guru, which is from the Australian um, Super Nation Funds, uh, sorry, Association of um, Super Funds of Australia, ASFA. And and they had said that the like the biggest asset that uh, a 15 to 24 year old could have is actually their super but they're unaware 100%. because they're so yeah they're so busy like trying to save for their first car or things like that in their savings account but little do they know their super has already surpassed what they've actually saved but they're willing to not have any input in that money 
And if you think about how hard they save to just get like, you know, their first car, their first holidays and scraping money away. And they've already got a pot of money that's there ready to be, to be, um, you know, just, just make a few decisions, you know? So it's, I think it's really something we have to change. Um, and, and I think the thing about financial advisors is that we also understand not everyone's our client, but yeah. like you, you're doing a podcast purely out of your passion. Like we are finding other ways to help with the literacy piece in the community. So even if someone's not our client, we do understand that we can't actually service the community as a whole, maybe. Yeah. But we're trying to get other content there to maybe help the conversation. Yeah, and look, I I believe, and like you said, you know, there's going to be clients that aren't right for you, and there's going to be yeah. clients that aren't right for me. Um, but it's important to get this information out. I know that there's a lot of people looking at the stuff that I put on my website that they can go away and do themselves, and that's absolutely fine. That's what it's there for. It's like get your head around it, use it, run with it. It's okay if you don't call me and I don't become your advisor. But when the time is right know that there's people out there like yourself, like me, that actually are prepared to sit down and work out some of your goals and help you achieve them. And the fact is that if you're getting started, that's great. You've got to start somewhere. Mm. You know, that's my big belief is, you know, financial literacy is something that we're really lacking and that's been a buzzword for many years, um, but there really needs to be more of it out there. And I think, you know, what you're doing is fantastic um, and more of us need to be doing it. You know, we, we really do need to start just having these conversations. And um, I mean, the challenge is though, you know, we take, both of us are taking an hour out of our day yes. to do that. To do that, um, And we're, our days are very full. You've got kids. I've got yes. kids, you know. We've got businesses that we've got to try and manage, you know, and we've got other things that are going on in our lives. But this is, you know, as you said, a passion project. So yes. I, speaking of passion projects, let's now talk about your podcast. Yes. <laughs> so my podcast is called Your Money Story. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's not so much about money where you're going to get 20 tips on what to do with investing or things like that. It's more about people's journeys um, to be able to believe in themselves or, you know, equalize any power disparity where they are as well to get them to the point of where they are at the moment. Um, because we know money is not just money. It's not an even playing field. Um, you've you've got a lot of different journeys and I also want to just make women a lot more visible. Um, I think we're so underrepresented just generally as well. You know, so in my space, um, I just want to feature tons of women, but also other marginalized groups as well. Um, I think that's the thing about this podcast is that um, there's so many great people that I've had conversations with. I just want that conversation to become a wider conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just get it out there and also feature just a whole lot of different people. Um, so that's why it's a passion project because I think I'm very much an advocate of our profession and I want to advocate for the people that are within it because maybe some people might go, why do you interview so many financial advisors? <laughs> isn't there isn't there like a um, in, competition and stuff like that? And it's like, no, no. there's... there's <laughs> None of that. I my 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 view is that we are a profession. I want everyone to realize that. My view is that we have a lot of people that are in here that are amazing and doing amazing things. So let's celebrate that because that lifts our profession as a whole. Um, but also there are stories of um, you know, I just did an interview last week of someone uh, from the LGBTQ community who found their space to flourish in a career. Um 
but that took a journey, you know, like you're not going to just end up in the first workplace and then be celebrated for who you are. Um, so I think it's just a celebration of stories, Amy, if I can put it down that way. It is linked to value, but it's also linked to you trying to equalize your position. I'm really big on that. You know, it's, mm-hmm. if there's ways um, we had uh, Chloe Liao on who was talking about how her budgeting helped her avoid being bullied at the workplace, you know, and for probably if you think about Generation Y women, they're going through where they are right now. Possibly if they're studying um, in their careers, there could be power disparity where they are, if especially they're employee. But she set up a strong budgeting system where if she needed to leave a job because it's not aligned to her values, she could, you know, so no one had that power being held over. And I think how many of us are having that conversation with young women? That's so weird because I had that very conversation with a woman yesterday. Yeah, no, but it opened my eyes when I spoke to her and I just, yes, why do we have to be put in that position where we're accepting less, accepting bullying, accepting different things? We know the conversation is happening at the moment about women's safety in the environment. Why, mm. why would we have to stay in those environments? And because people stay because they need the money. Um, yes. And someone like that just saying, she's so passionate, she does community work, but she's used money to empower herself and I was blown away I was like oh it's beautiful yeah it's beautiful and I just went that message just needs to go out to more young women you know or more young men just just um I'm learning from it as well and I'm in awe so yeah that's fantastic (laughs) no 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 because this is this is things I mean that's that's what storytelling is all about really Mm. it's spreading a message and by that little story could actually change someone else's life and it becomes a bigger story and more important to somebody else. So, you know, I don't think anything's insignificant when it comes to how we can actually empower somebody. Um, and what you're doing in, and the storytelling is should, you know, it'll just grow from there. <laughs> Speaking of which, you're yep. now also, because I'm State Chair of New South Wales with AFA Inspire, <laughs> speaking of empowering women, um, you've just become National Chair. So yes. <laughs> Thanks, Amy. Um, I'm honestly very, very humbled to be asked because I, um, I didn't think that 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 would be some somewhere I would land up because I feel like I'm a little bit of a on the outside, just doing my own weird thing, and and I think it's testament to AFA that they are um, they're looking for different sorts of people to have different sorts of ideas. <laughs> so even someone weird like me, it's. <laughs> not weird I think we all have a bit of flavor of weird it's all good yeah I know I that's, that's, that's what makes it fun you know that's what brings the right people to you know to be attracted to taking you on as their advisor or me on as their advisor or so on mm. you know is is that we have our own you know own way our own yes. little bit of weird or a bit of creativity or a bit of bit of yes. whatever whatever <laughs> ingredient you want to throw in there and yes. it's a good thing it's a good thing. And, and you know, um, how it was positioned to me by AFA is it, is it, look, we think that it's very much in line with what you want to achieve personally as well for women in the community and things like that. And and when I thought about it, it, it was. I mean, it's definitely um, an honour to work with such amazing women like yourself for us just to continue to send that message that we have amazing female financial advisors. We should have more female we advisors. Should. We should yeah. just lift and celebrate because we found our safe space and our space where we're celebrated but not everyone's in that position I don't want someone to leave because they haven't been appreciated where they are or they think that this you know profession is one thing 
like your podcast is demonstrating that our profession has the warm and fuzzy bits and the people bits. And I think it's going to really attract people. Um, so I think once that was something that clicked, that that connected, and that's something that I get to play a part of by being this role, um, it felt right. And getting to work with all of you, Amy, oh, thank you. Be a good ride. <laughs> yeah, it felt, it felt right for me when I was asked to, um, first of all, become part of the community, or, um, sorry, become part of a committee. Um, so I'll just quickly explain what, AFA is is um, the Association of Financial Advisors, but we have a community of practices and Inspire is one of those community of practices where it's for, um, it's not ex- exclusive to women, but it's a community where women can really lift each other up and we have a lot of more relatable topics to women and we celebrate women in finance. So they don't have to be financial advisors, but they're in that sort of the industry. And I actually invite people outside of the industry to come along to mm. our events just to get an insight about who we are as a community and a profession. Um, but it's also, I think, you know, the key thing what we're all trying to achieve is helping others, help women really flourish. And if we can do that with their finances, but also with their careers, then it's yes. a win-win. And that's what I'm, why I'm in it. I love doing, I love being part of the community. Um, I'm looking forward to, you know, setting out some amazing events and webinars. And I'll be sharing that on my social media channels as they come about. And no doubt you'll be getting involved with that as well. Yes. Um, but I also encourage, as I said, other women outside of the industry to participate, come and have a look because it's not exclusive to, I mean, it's part of the FA, yes, but it's not exclusive to just people in finance. I think it's really good if others can actually see what we're doing and get yeah, involved. Yeah, and I think that's where you find the synergies as well. You know, you can have that um, that like-mindedness with someone in a different profession that really suits the other piece of the puzzle, you know, because in a way as advisors for like project managers as well, we need to make, because we look at the big picture, we are trying to tie in what the accountant does, what the solicitor does, or all those things. And um, it's nice to find other people that are, you know, kind of like-minded and going, this is the way I run my client. This is what's important for me as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that community can help that. Uh, but also, you know, for me personally as an advisor, Amy, when I attended my first Inspire event in 2018, and if, if I think about at that point, I had been in the financial planning industry for over 10 years. It's the first time I had ever seen women celebrated um and I just went what this exists where <laughs> and then I was like wow you know because um Lee Shoda was brought over for the roadshow with three other um of the I think finalists from the female excellence and advice awards and I just I didn't know what I was seeing I didn't know it was possible and for me that was role modeling that showed me where I want to be that showed me community um, and, and it's just funny, it took that long for me to realize that it was there. So for me, that the association I have with Inspire is always that thing of warmth and belonging. Yeah. Um, and too. I found that as a woman attending that, <laughs> took that long. So <laughs> Yeah, that, that word warmth is, yeah. is so true. That's how I felt when I first event, I went to, because I was self-employed on my yeah. own. I didn't really have a team behind me. I was quite, it's quite isolating and a colleague invited me and I turned up and then, you know, I was, you know, welcomed and sat down with someone. Next thing I'm having a laugh and it was just a really, I remember it was quite a long time ago now. It was back in 2014, mm-hmm. 
maybe it was 13 actually, it was quite a while ago. Um, and, you know, I was still at that startup stage of my business. So I remember going, these are also amazing, successful women. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that imposter syndrome. Yes, yes. Um, but when you get to know everyone, everyone's feeling the same way. Yeah. And, you know, I think because, you know, we've, it is an industry where, where uh, we're the minority. There's only about 20% of us yes. um, being represented in fin- finance overall. That's yeah. including in the banks and everything. It's a small amount. Yeah. I remember walking into a, um, an event, a PD day, and being the only woman in the room. Yeah, yeah. So it's nice to see it change and it's nice to see this inclusivity. Um, but I know we've kind of digressed about uh, where you're going and, and whatnot, but it's good to talk about this because, as I said, we're really today lifting the lid on what our industry is about. Yes. And I think if people really are prepared to be open to seeing what we do, they might be open to actually coming and seeing an advisor. Exactly. and actually making the right decisions for their finances. Yes. Now I want to ask you a really cheesy question, but I found it, I'm curious. If okay. you could go back to your former self and give her one incredible piece of advice, what would that be? Um, I think just own who you are. You know, I think that's something I've eased into in my 30s. Um, I'll be leaving the 30s soon, but yeah, <laughs> 30s. I should have been specific. When I say former yeah. self, you're, you're yeah. young. You're yes, sir, say yeah. six-year-old. Almost, yeah, I, just that, that I'm enough, you know. So I think I've, I've we, we, imposter syndrome is one level that I think a lot of women have. But I think further to that as well, I think in a lot of communities, women are valued less. And um, you need to be able to shut off all the noise around that. Um, you know, I've got the complicated layer that, um, you know, I'm, you know, from an Asian background. Um, and there's like almost like a, packing order or there's a system of who who's valued more um and I always had my dad telling me that I had value but it took a while for me to believe it myself you sort of made a um, important thing about sort of there's a pecking order and value of where people are in certain cultures and that's another thing another um I guess dimension that women are breaking through those barriers because um there is so many different cultures out there that have women mm-hmm. placed in different spaces I and mean, different sort of value points and um you know coming into a western society where we're fighting for equality be it in the workplace or with our pay yeah. or just being recognized that the merit that we've provide you know the work that we've done there's merit in it as equal to the same you know work that our peers have done <clears throat> potentially but the other issues the subconscious stuff that really can play with us is just that how we've been raised or the culture and this, the stories from the past that have affected us, even if it's not your parents haven't intended on that, it's there. Our television shows, yes. you know, the roles that women play in the household and how you know, 80% of our household duties are done by women, you know, still unpaid, you know, these kind of things. They really do actually have and play havoc on our thought, the way we actually present ourselves and have a, that inner belief. Yes, and that, and that imposter syndrome is just something that we, I think, it's just another really layer. Know. It's just another it's wonderful layer a... that women women have to deal with. But I, you know, a... <clears throat> I, it was just a, a strange thing because I think we've been taught to please from young, taught not to speak up when something is wrong. It's yeah, it's just very troubling um, the way women are raised in the environment when they're girls. You know, um, you learn to be polite in situations where um, they're unsafe situations, but you still. You you almost quiet them down 
the warning bells internally because you're supposed to be polite. You're supposed to, you know, not rock the boat, things like that. Um, and, you know, it's, it's this journey I think a lot of us have had that were into adult life where we realize that we, we don't need to care <laughs> about yes. a lot of these things. Yes. You know, you get to a point where you feel totally at ease with who you are, even though imposter syndrome is still there, but you, you feel at ease with who you are. You kind of set your own rules within the community that you're in. Um, even for me being raised, I could see women fighting women. Um, and, and there is this narrative out there that that's what women do. I and mean, women don't do that. It's they mm-hmm. pitted against each other. So for me, that's hard sometimes when I'm in an environment and I honestly want equality for many groups of people um, to find sometimes women who are still within that frame of mind where they will side with maybe someone that's more powerful and male than stand up for a fellow female. Mm-hmm. That for me is something I sh- struggle with because I'm like, surely we're stronger together if we all lift each other up. And I think that's what Inspire is. But I think yes. as a little girl growing up and, and seeing that, you're very confused. <laughs> you're yes. very confused that surely those people that are, the, that are walking the same path that you have, that have been valued less, that have been put in situations where um, it's not fair on them, surely that they would have some empathy for you. But no, it almost becomes like you're perpetuating it for the next generation um, because that's all you know. Yeah. So, you know, there's not a lot that can be done about that, maybe, uh, besides removing yourself from the environment. So, yeah. And, and that's what I have felt is I've come to Australia. Um, I have a family with my, with my husband, and we always just surround ourselves by people that are going to be positive and lift us. And that, it, that relates back to um, the communities with, in financial advice as well. You know, if you're ever feeling that you're isolated or, you know, you're not feeling it in your physical environment, there are people like Amy around, there are heaps of people around in your community that are willing to just give you that warmth and not judge and just lift you up. Like, we're not going to see you as competition. No. <laughs> we're going to go, we're going to celebrate you. We could be like, yes. <laughs> that's right. And that's yeah. what we, that's exactly, the, that's what we are as a community. That's what yeah. we are as a profession. Um, and that's what we are for our clients. I'm like a biggest cheerleader for my clients, and I know you would be too. Mm. It's like some, I've had those clients that have just put it off and put it off and put it off because they didn't feel worth it. It didn't maybe think I have enough money, or um, I'm just not. I'm not ready for some reason. Similar to the hang-ups and issues that you've just expressed, that um, because we've got these preconceived mm. ideas. So there are barriers that we see in our careers, but there are barriers we see over our finances as well. Yes. And it's a matter of going, okay, I am enough and I am worth investing in. Yes. I'm worth investing in um, my future through my education, through my work, through my finances, through my fitness, through my health, through my yes. friends. We've got to start looking at it like money's got to be on the wellness wheel. I'm a big yes. believer in that. And I'm a big believer in saying, you know what, I need to start somewhere. It's okay for me to go, I don't know, can you help me? You know, yeah. That's that's really important. So and that that I think what you've just sort of said can be brought across in all areas of what we're talking about, our industry, our community and finance, I mean, yeah. at getting advice. So if you're not a financial advisor and you're listening to this, the relevance to what we're talking about is the same. You can go and seek advice. You can go and ask for help. You can go and invest in yourself and it's there's nothing wrong with that if you don't feel like you're ready 
You probably are. You just got a lot of noise going on. Yes. I take take the first step because you you will find safe spaces. Yes. You know, so they, they are they are out there. Um, and we're gonna celebrate that. That's what you're doing, Amy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I like to see people kicking goals. I mean, there's sometimes people really come to you in situations, and I'm sure you've experienced this, where, you know, they can't see the forest among the trees, so to speak. They're just overwhelmed by so much and they just think that they're falling back, going backwards, going backwards fast, maybe lots of debt or whatever. But we're skilled enough to actually be able to strategize and see that there's a way out because when you're in the thick of it, you can't Mm. see the way out. And that goes for a lot of parts of our life, in life. I feel, you know, we can be the counsellors and the coaches and the advisors and the, you know, friend. I think we're also very real with the choices that people have. I think it's it's not that you have an inability to choose. You're not in a position where you can't choose. It's just that, okay, what happens if you do things differently? What's the consequence? I think a big part of our job is kind of going, okay, if you stay this way and you choose not to care, this is going to be the outcome. But if you choose this and then, you know, that could be a different outcome, you know. So it's, it's very much going um, with whatever you're doing rather than it being kind of random. Mm. We can give a little bit of a sense of is that actually taking you towards where you want to go? Or if you're not willing to make the change now, how is it going to impact where you want to be in the future? Mm. 100%. Taking us back to that fact find mm. um, appointment, it's like... If until you actually know where you are, and we really find that out through the fact finding process, yes. we all have to do it. You know, we do need to know, we do need to understand your financial position as well as your goals and objectives. Um, so once we've got that, it's like then we can create the map. Yeah. But it's you can't go and create a map to a destination when you don't know exactly where you are to start with. Yep. You know, so that's exactly. sort of that's that's the importance of that process. And then we can then give that guidance. And that's the stuff that I love to do. And I'm sure you do too. Yes. I think, um, I mean, if if your listeners, again, are unfamiliar about a different aspect of our job, you know, I just came back from regional WA and I helped the client through a very difficult um, centering application. And, 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 she, and she just said, Don, what about people who don't have the help? Because you're just doing it with me. And this is like, probably the fourth form that has been given to her by Centrelink about something that was not really even, you know, just because, for example, someone just sets up a trust in your name and there's nothing in there, that can be an issue from Centrelink purposes. Oh, yeah. Because they want to see, even you can't just say, oh, I don't know, I don't know anything. Centrelink want to know because you could be hiding assets. Yeah. Um, and and for this this client, it was, it was not about strategy, it was none of that because we had done all the advice for that. Now it was being it's being her advocate to get this stuff settled with Centrelink, um, you know. And Lily, who's my assistant, is amazing. She's been on the phone with Centrelink. She's been briefing me about what I need to tell, you know. And it's like there's a whole um, there's like teamwork there. I think that's the thing. Like we're we're trying to fight for a good outcome for you. So yes. the advice is one thing. Is that in any scenario you're finding yourself where you're difficult, whether it's Centrelink, you know, whether your spouse has passed away, whether someone you know, like you said, all the bases there, if you're getting cancer and you're having to help with claims processes, it's not just this one event. I think that's the thing about financial planning. We're we're coming in at different life events, whatever that might be, whether that's the good news or that's the bad news, but that guidance doesn't change. 
mm-hmm. we're there to be your advocate and we're there to try and make things a little bit easier in a difficult situation. That's so true. And that's actually a great point to take home is that that's what we do. We try and make it easier. Yeah. What What is complex, what is difficult is we are trying to actually make it so easy that it's easy to execute so that you can actually be successful. Um, I We could keep talking. We've been going for an hour. So I'm going to wrap this up. And I want to thank you so much for your time. Um, again, I'm just going to recap um, that you've got a podcast as well called Your Money Story. Yes. So please don't hesitate to check that out. Um, I'll be putting the link there in um, the show notes. And also if they want to contact you, they can contact you through the Wealthy WealthWise um, website. Yes, or on LinkedIn. Or on, on social, Instagram. LinkedIn. Um, I'm on Twitter now. I don't really know how to use it, but if you're on there, I'm sure I'll find out if you send a message. Uh, and I'm also doing some research work as well into uh, Gen Zs and superannuation engagement. So I might be making a call out for 15 to 24-year-olds in the coming months to oh, find wow. out how they have made decisions around superannuation. So... <laughs> Oh, I'd be fascinated by that information. Yes. I would. So if any of you have children that you want to give up for I this. <laughs> you can have yeah. a couple of mine. Correct. Yes. <laughs> so that if I can make a cheeky call out with that, I'll just position it there. I might just need your children to give us some insight on what they've done with their superannuation. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank I you. had such a lovely, um, lovely session with you. Have a great day. Thank you.